Welcome into this Five Clubs Ryder Cup preview. Really looking forward to the next hour with Brendan Young, Johnson Wagner, and a three-time Ryder Cup participant for the United States, Webb Simpson. This is the 44th edition. I mean, just think about where this has come in your own lifetime, how much it's changed, how interested everybody is in this event that only happens once every two years. And can the United States do something they have not done in 30 years? Win on the road. We cover it all coming up right now. Today's Five Clubs conversation is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. You might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focus group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips. Refresh your game. Visit GolfPride.com today to learn more. Golf Pride. Respect the grip. And with that, welcome into this Ryder Cup preview. Webb Simpson, three-time Ryder Cup participant. Johnson Wagner. Of course, Brendan Young, part of a President's Cup team. It's good to talk about the Ryder Cup. we got to wait a long, long time to do it. 2012, you finished fifth in points so you're you're an automatic guy you've experienced it both ways um what was the build-up to that like having not done it before um a lot of wondering what it's like uh you, you know you hear a lot of stories you hear guys talk about how the the nerves are different um in a team event and for the right reasons i think you want to play well for your team for your country there's you know this camaraderie that you really want to perform for um, that's not just yourself and your caddy um, and so there was a lot of build up internally and um, a lot of yeah like I said wondering what it's going to feel like and the nerves came a lot quicker than I thought the Ryder Cup starts we know on Friday but Tuesday was our first practice round and I was maybe more nervous Tuesday than I was Friday. Uh, and Tuesday, I was at Medina all week. It, it doesn't matter where it is. I mean, it's there's 30,000, 40,000 people on the property at the beginning of the week. Golfers don't watch golf. Um, occasionally, you'll watch a major. You may pick on the last 30, 45 minutes of a golf tournament. What was the first Ryder Cup either one of you watched? I remember watching Seve and Elizabeth at the Belfry. I think that was 89, maybe. They were the, there in 89. It was the first one that I remember vividly watching. I yeah. remember Seve driving the 10th green for some reason. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, I was hooked from there. I really was. Just you could tell the there was so much, uh, what's what's the word there? Animosity. There really was animosity was between friction. the two teams. There was friction. Um, and I was, I was hooked from there, and I, I haven't missed one since. Yeah. 93 was the first one I remember watching basically every shot. And was it uh, Paul Aziner, Seve Basteros on Sunday singles? And, you know, Seve's probably jingle and change, and they were getting into it. There was tension there as well. 91, I remember bits and pieces of, but 93, 95, that was the era of me watching every single shot. How about you? I mean, I, I mentioned you, you being in three of these things. 
was the first one you watched? First one I remember was 99. Okay. Um, you know, it's oh, I'm, grief. I'm 14 years old, and, you know, at that point, I loved golf, so I was probably wanting to go play, but wanting to see if we had a chance, and sure enough, um, you know, I, I'll never forget, I was in my head pro's office in Raleigh, and he had this tiny little TV in his office, and we watched Justin Leonard make that putt, <laughs> and, like, we might have gone you know, more nuts than the team uh, in the pro shop there. But that was a that was my first real memory of it. The uh, One of the things that I, I find interesting for people who do it for the first time is when are you going to get bloodied? When are you going to go out? You didn't play Friday morning mm -hmm. in the foursomes. And the United States and Europe, it was 2-2 after that session. And you and Bubba go out first in the afternoon. What was Friday morning like? Not, it's, it's such, so, everything's different. Mm -hmm. How different was that, having to wait until the afternoon? It was hard because I'm an early riser as it is, so I couldn't sleep in. Um, and I remember talking to Davis saying, you know, I've heard and, and seen guys who aren't playing Friday morning be there on the first tee to support their team. Uh, is that something, you know, that we should do? Like, And he goes, no, 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 do whatever you need to do to get ready for your match. Um, if you want to be there and it's not going to affect you, great. If you want to, you know, sleep or work out or – do a little practice, do that. So he, he made me and Bubba feel like do whatever we need to do to be ready at whatever time we teed off, 1 o'clock. Um, and so I did that. I didn't, I didn't go the first tee to experience it. Um, I was there, you know, for my tee time and trying to take it all in. Uh, you guys won 5 and 4 that afternoon. Um, did Bubba – do that thing on Friday afternoon, or did he wait until Saturday to do the, the pumping up no, of the crowd? No, that was Friday afternoon. That was Friday afternoon. Yeah. So I'm I'm on the left side of the tee box with Teddy and Paul, and I'd already hit, and Bubba looks over and kind of like gives one of these to Teddy, and Teddy just gives him like the yes, and I'm like, what is this about? And then he does his thing, and I never really experienced anything like that in golf, maybe other sports. <laughs> But not on a first tee of a golf tournament. Was that against? Was it Poulter in the match, or did was it in? Did no, Poulter do something similar? To you that? guys played yeah. Paul Laurie and Peter Hansen okay. that we did. afternoon. But then the next day, the best part Poulter about that couldn't handle it. Yeah, Poulter hit a, a low duck hook in the left bunker uh, after he got the crowd going. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a classic shrimp. Yeah. I mean, it was like that <laughs> right off the first tee. That sounds like something I would do. Yeah. So, um, you know. Here we sit, and this thing is, we're, we're on the doorstep of this. Um, when you look at the process, and I mentioned how, you know, he was an automatic selection his first time. He was a pick on another occasion. Are you guys good with the way this thing was, was unfolded? You can look at it from an American standpoint or just on both sides. I, I think it's good to have more picks than two. Traditionally, that it was 10 autos and two picks, but six seems like a lot to me. Personally, yeah. uh, I think the better number would be eight and four. I, th I think if you finish in the top eight in a two-year span of, of American U.S. golfers, you deserve the right to play. And you listen to what Keegan Bradley said about not getting picked. He, he, he said, well, basically, now I know that I have to be in the top six if I ever want to make another Ryder Cup. And I think Brian Harmon you would throw in that bucket, too. I don't know that he would have been a – even if he finished seventh or eighth, I don't know that you would pick a guy like Brian, unfortunately. Mm. And the more we go forward, the more – uh, difficult it's going to be to make a team. What do you think? I like the six and six. I, I feel like that's the captain's best way of getting the team that he really wants, and that's ultimately what this is about. You want to put the team that you feel like has the best chance to win, and I feel like six and six gives you that. How about you? 
Um, you know, last year at the President's Cup, yep. I, I was surprised to see how much Davis put the ball in the players' court, the, the automatic six, and kind of what they thought. Uh, I think up until maybe a couple teams ago, it really was the captain's choice and his assistant captains, but he relied heavily on what these guys thought. And I remember at a dinner in uh, Atlanta at the Tour Championship, they were very vocal and opinionated as Davis wanted them to be on who they wanted uh, as the captain's picks. And so that was surprising, not saying it's wrong, um, but I, I think I'm on Johnson's page. I think eight, you've had a two-year run, you've had a chance to prove yourself. And you know, if you do it, you do it. You should be on the team. And you know, it's a bit awkward when you talk about who's in form because tour championship there's a month off and we all know here at this table a lot can change in a month a guy who's playing great at tour championship might be struggling in a few weeks and vice versa um so there's a bit of nuance to it uh but at the end of the day the captain's he's in a tough position to pick you know the best team it's um you bring up some interesting points the 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 hot player pick was instituted after the horschel situation in 14 you were on that team as well and now that hot pick like thing, you know, that went away because it's like, well, you pick a last guy and then he feels like he's the last guy. So I get that. So take that away. The other thing about like the, you, you said something that I totally agree with. And I didn't know this because you were on the inside of it. The team picked this team. Mm -hmm. and, and you can say, well, the captain should be picking the team. I have no problem with the captain deferring to his team. And here's why I'm okay with it, because for all these years, guys, it's been, well, Europe has such great camaraderie. They, they love each other. Now this group, like, genuinely cares for each other, and it's being spun that it's an old boys network, and it's, and it's a boondoggle. Like, how do you – like, which, what, is, what do you want here? No, I mean, you want to win, and I think picking – having the players pick who they want to play with is – gives us the best chance to actually win on European soil for the first time in forever. And that's why Keegan's not on the team and Cam Young's not on the team is because they didn't have anybody in that top six fighting or even I'll throw Jordan and Justin Thomas who were definitely going to be on that team. They didn't have any of those guys fighting for him. And you've got yeah. to have that. Sam Burns had guys fighting for him. So did uh, Ricky Fowler. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And if we go over there and succeed, then it's a moot point. Does, does that make it more of a popularity contest, though, than, than it should be? No, but if you and I were going to go, if you and I were playing a match and we could pick two people that we wanted to play with and it was a three-round tournament, we would pick the guys that we would gel the best with and could play the best golf with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if yes, maybe it does, but I think it, it's a it's a valid way to pick the team. I just think I think it would be better if two more guys are in that spot because as you guys both know how difficult it I've never had the opportunity. I think I finished fourteenth one year and was definitely not gonna be a pick. But it's so hard to make that team and for a guy it can be a career defining moment. The top six in the United States is a very hard nut to crack. Yeah. It is. It, it, you know, the American depth is better than it's ever been. Uh, and I think that, that that's showing true in Europe as well. I think that they've, look, if you're Adrian Moronk, like, what do you got to do? Right. And, and, and I think that, was that an inside job? Yeah. I mean, Lowry, look, he's, he's won big events. He's a major champion. He, he, his form, similar to Justin, I mean, you can, you can make as much of a case for Adrian Moronk over Shane Lowry, as you could make for whether it's Cam Young, Keegan Bradley, over Justin Thomas. 
the the sixth thing here's what like you guys are players and i will always defer to your perspective because you drive the game but as somebody who covers the game i will say this about the six it's more interesting and mm -hmm. it and it's provocative like you did radio right after it for days and what did you do you took call after call after call like golf fans like calling in like they're calling about baseball or football i don't think that's a bad thing for the game and i was so surprised by how many people were negative towards the justin thomas pick like how is that possible the guy over his president's cup and Ryder cup history is 16 5 and 3 and and how people could have an argument and uh, was doing it with Colt and he made the point that Ian Poulter's played five Ryder Cups was picked four times yeah. and had way worse form than Justin Thomas so we like what Europe does to your point earlier and we do the same thing but now we're roasting ourselves for it so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and uh, Justin Thomas is going to go and have a net positive outcome on that Ryder Cup team he will win more matches than he loses and and he deserves a spot on that team going forward unless he's injured do you think he he's going to feel an extra level of pressure? I do, but I think he's the type of player, you know, he's a generational talent yeah. player. I think that pressure he'll thrive off of. And so I think for certain guys, it might be harder to handle. I think for Justin Thomas, it, he'll actually use that to his advantage. Um, and I think the naysayers, the people who disagree with Zach picking him, I think, I think he probably loves it internally, and I think it'll use his motivation. You played two road Ryder Cups, and and the the setup of the golf course has become a huge part of what is the Ryder Cup. Like if it's at home, we're going to set it up. It's going to there's going to be no rough. Americans can hit it anywhere. Go find it and and advance Fast it. Greens. Yeah, exactly. How different was Paris and Glen Eagles to Medina? Uh, basically opposite in every category. We showed up, I remember in Paris, and not only did they have full U.S. Open length rough, but they mowed it where the grain was into you. And so Bubba was my partner the first match. We were playing alternate shot, and I remember the 10th hole, short hole there, I hit it five yards in the right rough. We're 110 yards from the green, and he didn't think he could get a pitching wedge to the green or a nine iron, so he pulls out seven wood. He had a seven wood that week. And that just shows, I mean, he's arguably one of the great rough players of our day uh, with his speed and how high he swings the club. Uh, and he had to pull seven wood out to try to get it to the green. So they knew what they were doing. They knew their team was straighter, shorter. Um, and Thomas Bjorn used it to their advantage, and, and it worked. The, uh, the straighter, shorter thing this year, statistically, that's not the case. The, the, Amer the Americans on average in terms of distance statistically are like a yard shorter than than the Europeans. so they have the requisite length to hang with the americans in that department and actually in terms of driving accuracy the united states team statistically is a little bit better do you think that's a wash do you think that that's a mirage do you think that the europeans are still a little bit shorter on a whole and a little bit more accurate, or do you think those stats are true? Well, I mean, I think you look at a lot of the PGA Tour stats that are skewed based yeah. on strokes gained, numbers off the tee, and the fact that uh, I know you're speaking specifically to driving accuracy, yeah. but you've also got a guy like Colin Morikawa who's raising our team stats up considerably, Absolutely. being the number two driving accuracy player on tour. But I think our driving stats are so skewed because the PGA Tour plays much wider fairways, much shorter rough than normal. And so I don't think we have as much of an importance on that stat. I, I do think I would put the accuracy advantage 
to the European team, but that's why I think a lot of Zach's picks made sense. Morikawa is a home run. He can play best ball, alternate shot. He should be a five-match guy on a venue. What I've heard the rough is like at Marco Simone. To me, that says, why wouldn't you pick Lucas Glover? Why wouldn't you pick Keegan Bradley? These are two of the best drivers of the ball and have been for a long, long time. You're going to Europe. You know exactly what this golf course is going to be set up like. It's going to put a premium on driving the golf ball. You have two of the best drivers at your disposal right there. To me, that would lean that way. So what, what is the United States' biggest strength? What is it? Probably the way they get along. The camaraderie of the team, the unity. Wow, that that's they have. different. Right. I mean, I, I think, and I hate to say it because I have so much respect for both players. But now that we're beyond a Tiger Phil era, I don't weird. think I don't think we have a d- divided team room. I think we have more unity, and Webb could probably speak more to that. But I think that I think that the, the team gels like never before, and you saw it at Whistling Straits, and you saw it at Quail Hollow at the Presidents Cup last year. You agree with that? I do agree with that. Yeah, I think that's their biggest strength is the camaraderie there. You've got. A lot of guys that are very, very good friends off the golf course, mm-hmm. on the golf course, that will be very comfortable playing with each other. Webb is an assistant captain for the President's Cup. You know, the, the core of this team is is in Rome. Surprisingly, there are a couple guys who you thought, Cam Young being one of them, Tony Finau being another, who are not there. But, but by and large, you've got not only this core group, but you have these natural pairings with success attributed to them with Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley, with Justin Thomas and, and Jordan Spieth. And we will see, they didn't have a good week in terms of wins and losses with Burns and Scheffler. Do you think that this group is the most interchangeable uh, group that maybe you've seen of, of the last 15, 20 years on the American side? I think so. Uh, you know, Brian Harmon is going to be awesome to watch. You know, I've played against him since I was a junior, and he's – you know he's not afraid of anybody or anything, um, so I think he'll he'll be good to play with anybody. And, and to Brennan's point earlier, Brian Harmon and Lucas Glover are great friends. I, I thought that could have been a great sure. pairing together, um, but you know I had the pleasure of watching Scheffler and Burns play all their matches, and they were 18 under at Quail Hollow in two matches. They lost one of them and tied the other, and as 18 under par. Um, and so they're probably going to play together, I would imagine, because they played great even though their results weren't great. Um, but, you know, you name the, the two solid teams that will not be changed in Cantlay, Chauffelet, and um, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Uh, those guys' records speak for themselves. And um, I think along with camaraderie, what the Americans have going for them over the European team, maybe for the first time in a long time, is confidence. They're so confident in themselves as as players, but they're also confident uh, as a team. And I think the European team is loaded with talent, but there's so many question marks. You know, the big question mark for the American team was, are you going to pick Lucas Glover, who hadn't played a major this year? Yeah. Well, they picked a guy who's never played in a major. Correct. Um, which has been talked about a lot. But I think we all know that Ludwig Aberg is a very good player, uh, has no weaknesses. But if a few of their players will be fun to watch and see what they can do under that Ryder Cup pressure. Okay, so... Thomas and Spieth, okay, let's say they play two sessions on Friday. Let's say they lose both of them. Are they getting trotted back out there Saturday morning? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, and they lose Saturday morning. They're going to play Saturday afternoon? I mean, I, I, from what I heard about Marco Simone, it's it's a pretty hilly golf course, so I think it makes sense to not have too many guys playing all five sessions. 
Okay. Personally, yeah. But yes, I think you you ride that horse. You ride the you ride the Xander Cantlay, and then I, I was coming up with teams. It was pretty easy to come up with teams for the U.S. I think Morikawa Homa are an incredible you connection. Agree I agree with that. Okay. I, I think Clark and Fowler, both Oklahoma State guys, they played together the final two rounds at U.S. Open yep. this year. They get along well. And then I came down to I and I don't love this team, and I hate that it fits there, and I, I want Webb's opinion on it. But it comes down to the last two, which is Brian Harmon and Brooks Kepka. They'll probably play great together but where else do you put who else do you put brian Harmon with which is why i love lucas as well because they would have been an unbeatable alternate shot team i actually love that because going back to the walker cup days uh a young brian Harmon played with anthony kim and i think they won six and five or something <laughs> nobody was going to beat him and and so i think kind of the villain in brooks kepka Harmon loves that yes uh, i think you know Harmon has his opinions on the live tour. I think he can put those aside for the week. Uh, I actually think that's a great team. It'd be fun to watch. I, I'm I I hadn't thought about that. I love that. Like those two guys, you know, casting that stuff aside, like they they seem like they would be perfect, especially on the road. Yep. Taking on that environment and being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna stick this. You know, I, I, I like that a lot. Well, and just the way Harm handled the Open Championship. Totally. And the, I mean, I, that was one of the most disrespectful outings by a, a gallery I've mm -hmm. ever heard in my life. I yeah. mean, maybe Matt Fitzpatrick at the U.S. Open, but uh, Harm can handle that. Mm -hmm. yeah. He does. He kind of thrives on that kind of stuff, loves being the underdog. And, yeah, I think he. I think that actually would be a great pairing. But I completely disagree with Johnson. Spieth and Thomas, if they go out and get beaten twice – you look down this team, there is talent everywhere. I don't think you trot them back out there, especially if they don't play well. Yeah, see, that, that because of the Thomas pick, and, and he's got to have conviction about, about, look, he put him on the team, he's on the team, but they're such a bullseye, and now they're even a bigger bullseye because of that, and it's going to be very gratifying. I always feel like some, some matches feel like a point, point and a half. If they clip them twice... It'll be very interesting. Maybe they sit a session. Maybe they don't play in foursomes. That that's the other thing. Like, okay, let's say let's say Jordan is playing well and Justin doesn't fire. Give me somebody that you think because Jordan Spieth in his career in the Ryder Cup, President's Cup is a little bit different because he had he had Steve Stricker that first go round in the event that you played in in twenty thirteen. Give me give me somebody you think that Jordan would respond to if they get busted up. Jordan makes a ton of birdies. Ricky Fowler makes a ton of birdies. They're great friends. They travel together. That's a great pairing, I think, mm -hmm. in the in the four ball. Okay. What do you think of that? I I, I love it. I, I I think it's a natural fit. I, I think Jordan can play with anybody. I think he's a better four ball partner than than alternate shot. And then I guess the way both Spieth and Thomas are driving the ball, uh, I think alternate shot could get a little dicey out there for them. And that's usually what Europe starts with, right? Would be alternate shot first session Friday. They are actually starting. Uh, I, I've, I've got it written down here. I'll find it. I, I, oddly enough, I think they're 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 starting with foursomes this year. But the last two Road Rider Cups, even though they've dominated in foursomes, they've started with four ball. They did it in fourteen. They did it again in eighteen. But based on what I printed out, I believe they're starting with foursomes this year. I mean, I think Spieth and Scheffler would be a great pairing. Both Dallas guys. I know Scotty looked up Jordan. Both Texas guys. I think the the interchangeability of this entire team is pretty remarkable. I think. I mean, I think Brooks would play well with anybody too. Yeah, I, I agree with Johnson there. I think you could find so many different pairings there. I, 
if somebody's struggling, you're not going to struggle to find a, another another pairing at all. Okay, the, the Scheffler thing is he had one of the greatest statistical ball striking seasons we've ever seen, coupled with one of the worst putting seasons we've ever seen. I mean, how, do, how does... How does that manifest itself for over three days where you got to make putts, particularly in a format like foursomes where a guy's going to hit a shot in there 11 feet and you're counting on him to make it? Yeah, that's the thing about the Ryder Cup. You know, PGA Tour, Mark Brody's proven that ball striking is what makes the money for the most part. But in Ryder Cup, you mentioned Pulse earlier, he made putts. Yep. Putting is the, the momentum swinger in the Ryder Cup. Um and, you know, I know Scheffler is probably feeling great about his year in some regards, and in other regards, he has regrets with the way he putted. Um, I know one thing, nobody works harder than him, so I bet right now, as we're doing this podcast, he's working on his putting, thinking about the Ryder Cup. Um, but you do have to make putts. You know, the three, six, nine-footers to have the hole or even to win the hole, those are huge in the Ryder Cup. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Time will tell. If you're only going to pick one American to play all five sessions, who would you pick? Great question. I'd have to think about that. Okay. who do You, you, you got somebody? Spieth. Is Spieth is going all five. <laughs> of course he is. And you'd caddy for him. Okay. Happily. <laughs> who, who would it be for the Xander American Shoffley. side? Shoffley goes all yeah. five. Because yeah. him and Patrick will play yep. the four – team sessions they together would, i mean makes a ton of birdies great in the uh, and he's going to be great in the alternate shot drives the ball very very well solid putter i'd put xander play all five okay god it's interesting like you would naturally think the number one player in the world who's the best ball striker in the world is going to play all five sessions but nobody said scotty scheffler no and it's not the putting i think the putting was an anomaly this year he was i think 54th in strokes gain on the green last year i think if you look 10 years out i think this year putting wise is going to be the exception okay i think he's going to like webb said he's working on it now and the way he handles himself in press conferences he doesn't let it get under his skin but you know internally it has and so i think once he got back maybe a few days off after the tour championship he is grinding he is figuring this out going into round okay on the european side if someone's going to play all five brendan who's it going to be it's got to be rory it, rory it is your easy answer yeah he's your okay. leader yeah i mean i think you're making a statement i think rory's got to play all five okay you agree with that same okay gosh really yeah okay over rom over hovland who's who's Victor Hovland is, is like six or seven years younger than, than Rory on a hilly golf course, and he has become, I get it, the hot thing. It's 30 days removed. He had won a golf tournament in a couple weeks. But still, he's now part of that big four. Scheffler, Rom, Rory, Hovland. He's been, he was great in the majors, so, but you would still say Rory. I mean, if you're making me pick one, but I think when you look at the European team, I think all three of those guys are probably going to play all five yeah. and possibly even a Hatton just because he plays both formats so well. Mm -hmm. Do you think, like this European team, you talked about the talent, some of it unproven. I, I think the rookie thing gets overrated. Like you played well in, in 2012, and I can go through the years. There have been a lot of rookies who mm -hmm. have handled this exceptionally well. Um, and I, I expect a couple of the Americans, a couple of the Europeans uh, to do that. This European team has Rom, Rory, and Hovland, three of the four best players in the world. They have this like supernova in, in Ludwig Aberg, who's just who's gone from playing college golf in the spring to being on the Ryder Cup. Um, and 
I don't know how much he's going to play, but do you think that Luke Donald may lean on nine guys to play all four of the team sessions before I don't I think everyone's going to play at least a match before Sunday. This won't be like 99 where where <laughs> Mark, ba- Mark James buried four guys and trotted them out there on Sunday like sacrificial lambs. Do you think though that he will lean heavily on on his horses? I think he will. Um, but I think to your point on the European rookies, I think what they have on their side is that they're playing at home. That was a huge difference in feeling for me from 12 to 14. Yeah. Uh, 12 being my first, the home crowd, you know, they're a 13th player on your team. They, you, you feed off their energy. Uh, whereas in uh, Glen Eagles in 14, it's a lot harder. You know, you have a five-footer, you miss it, the crowd goes wild uh, in, your, in the European favor. So um, I think that'll calm them down a little bit. They're used to playing over there. Uh, still going to be a challenge, but I think um, – I think he's going to play those guys as much as he can. The the three out of four, or four out of, you know, Hatton's ranked top ten in the world, I believe. Yeah. So he's going to rely on them heavily. Um, they're going to be the leaders, and I think even Luke will just kind of see as as they go. How are they handling the pressure on Friday? Yeah, the the is there a young guy, whether he be a rookie or somebody who's maybe only played one on the European side that you are confident is going to stand tall for them outside of the top three? Oh, very much so. Ludwig Eberg. I think this is going to be, not that he needs a coming out party, got that win in Kranz yep. last week, but I think this is going to be his statement to the world about just how good I really am. Um, I would not be at all surprised to see this guy play four sessions, maybe even five. Wow. Five sessions. I mean, we've been talking about him as a potential pick for since he his first couple starts yeah. as a pro. Yeah. And the way he went over to Europe and the way he – I think he finished fourth in Czech and then won last week and or whenever it was in Switzerland. I, I think he's the real deal. Now, he's never going to have played in an environment like this and not having played in a major is probably going to have an effect. But I agree. I mean, Luke Donald said after they played at Rocket Mortgage, he's never seen anybody drive the ball like that. Yep. That's a testament to that golf course. My only issue with guys playing five sessions – is in web is there any is there anything to the fact that this golf course is a brutal walk from all accounts like is that does that go into account when a when a captain thinks about pairings for sure and i I remember uh now this is from phil mickelson he loved to spew some facts that i don't know if they were facts (laughs) often but i remember him i remember him saying that the statistics on guys singles record who the singles being their fifth match uh of the week was not very good at all and so I think, like a Patrick Cantlay, I, I'd, I'd be willing to bet any amount of money that if he and Xander go 3-0 and the first three, he's not playing that fourth one. Patrick likes to approach it like a tactician. He, he's going to get his rest. He wants his body to be ready for singles. So I bet going in, there's a number of guys who are saying, no matter how good I'm playing, I'm going four uh, at the most. So mm. I do think the hilliness has to do with it, but also just the pressure. I mean, it's not just Friday, Saturday. It starts on you know traveling over there, all the gala, the ceremony, uh, the media. There's so much going on. You're tired by Friday morning, um, and that has to come into play for for these captains as they're figuring out you know who's going to play when. Yeah, the the Phil fact about that, of course, he didn't play, and Keegan didn't play Saturday afternoon for you guys, and they both lost their singles uh, the next day. Phil <laughs> lost to Rose, and Keegan lost to Rory. Um, by the way, that 2012 Saturday afternoon, being on that golf course was, was incredible. You and, and, and Bubba 
boat raced uh, your opponents, and DJ, and I forget who he was playing with, also won. It was 10-4. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one of the most underrated points in Ryder Cup history was the point before Poulter went crazy at the end of that match. And it was, it was of all people, mm-hmm. it was Luke Donald, and it was Sergio Garcia against Tiger Woods and Steve Stricker. And I think that, that Luke's tee shot on 17 is one of the most underrated pressure shots ever. That was awesome. It I was. Mean, it's his hometown, or where he went to college, where he lived, um, and in that environment, most of the matches being done, the, all the teams are there watching. Um, you know, it's it's another kind of pressure too, not just the crowd in the Ryder Cup, but to have your team there watching and the other team watching. It's just it's is different than anything we experience. Um, but yeah, at that point that afternoon, you you've been around sports long enough. You don't think it's over, but you're like, we're almost there. And to our shame, you know, we shouldn't have been probably thinking that. Uh, by the way, your Luke Donald history, you played Poulter a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you played him actually in singles, uh, I think twice, didn't 12 you? 12 and 14. Yeah, 12 and 14. You lost in 12, halved in 14. But the Luke Donald thing, I want to bring up this, this story. So in 2011, um, you... I don't know what you did at Sea Island. You what, did you finish second or something? Second. Okay. So he finishes second, and it looks like he's going to win the money title. And and he drives. So Luke Donald plays Disney, and it's like okay. And that's back when like the money title was like a big deal. And you guys played together. Did you play both rounds on the weekend together, or just Sunday? We played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, you played all four rounds. Yeah. And he shoots 65 on Sunday. He wins the golf tournament. I thought it was one of the – it was serious chops. Like, he comes out, didn't think maybe he was going to play. He plays He plays with you all four days. He wins the golf tournament. I did a, an event with you that next fall, and you were shaking your head like, that little SOB. Like, <laughs> he's sneaky, chippy, like – hyper competitive like oh, yeah. you look at him and you go oh, look at him he looks like a prince yeah. you know he looks like he's part of the world and i know family. a bit about wine <laughs> <laughs> that too but he's got a chip to him oh yeah he I, I had a couple shot lead on him and he birdied 10 through uh 15 he birdied six in a row on sunday um and i had i don't know 50 grand hundred thousand dollar lead on him so he had to win i think he and, had to win and he birdied six in a row and Wins the tournament, wins the money title, and the rest was history. And again, that fall we were doing an event at Quail Hunt, and you're like that little guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so I, I, you know, again, he can't hit a shot, but I think historically, like he's had some, he's had some very impressive moments oh, yeah. in his career. Number one in the world for a long time, for a number of weeks, um, playing the style he played. Yep, not a long hitter at all, not the straightest of hitters. Yeah, unbelievable short game. Uh, that was really the main reason I hired Pat Goss to, to help me with my short game in 2015 because I'd played enough with Luke Donald early my early days on the tour and every time I play with him you know he's he's chipping it close and making his putts um, and so yeah you're right he, he's very competitive um, and I know how bad he wants to, to win this the um, here's something Brendan that I was looking at in in 2014 on the American side there were six players who were 35 or older Phil was 44, Furek was 44, Zach was 38. This team, the the oldest player is Brian Harmon. He's 36 years old. So you had 30, you had half the team in 2014 was 35 or older. 
Now, the oldest guy is 36. Is it, is it just an anomaly, or is this where this thing is going? That, that these international teams and American teams, President's Cup, Ryder Cup, are going to be more guys in their 20s than guys in their 30s. Is that where we're going? Oh, 100%. I mean, this, this core group of guys are going to be playing in these team events for the next 10, 12 years, for sure. Um, yes, that is. That, that is, without a doubt, the way, way it's going. Well, I think it's a microcosm to the whole game itself, and what he just said was a little bit contradictory <laughs> yeah. because if they're going to play for ten years, and they're not going to be in their twenties anymore. But, yeah, but I mean, look, 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 at, look at the guys. Come, look at the guys who we have coming yeah. up. Nick Dunlap, what he just did yes. at the U.S. Well, Amateur. You look at that Walker uh, Cup team. Uh, in the Walker Cup team, you've got Gordon Sargent, Caleb Surratt, and I think in the next ten years, you're going to see a handful of those guys from that team kind of kicking out some of these guys. And, and I, I mean, the game of golf is getting younger and younger and younger. The the PGA Tour career is going to be shorter and shorter and shorter as we go forward it's just that hard to compete with guys that can hit it 70 yards by you but but yes i think i think the 06 team didn't have a single player in their 20s on that team and there was only one u.s player in their 20s that he had even won at that point and that was ben curtis so uh, i think just in a short basically 20 year period how the team has changed to younger and i think it would if you looked at the pga tour membership as a whole i think it would fit with how much younger the tour is getting in general yeah that's it's a really interesting point about 06 and those the, the, some of the captain's picks were guys who had done well um but they were they were blossoming later they were rolling the odometer the you know the the vaughn taylors he was not 22 years old um do you think and and you can look at the european side as well and whether whether live happened or not the the run of poulter casey westwood sergio it was over anyway mm -hmm. maybe who knows maybe sergio one more time but do you think that's where this is going that this competition is going to trend much more with with young studs than old lions i do i mean you know i love to to highlight what stuart sink did uh went in twice uh you know around 50 years old. i don't know exactly how old he was but lucas glover went in twice this year yeah because i, I think it's that much more impressive now with what you guys have just said that the prime for PJ Tour players in, in elite level golf is now mid to late 20s, it seems. Um, and, and I do think we're heading that direction. We're already there. Um, but I'd love to, to think that there's guys late 30s, even early 40s, who could still play at a high level, who could still win major championships. Um, and I think with the emphasis on fitness and hitting it further, even the older guys are swinging it faster and hitting it further than they've ever hit it. I think Stuart Sink's an example of that. He's, you know, early 50s, and he's hitting as far as he's ever hit it. Um, and so you'll still see some guys, I think, qualify for these teams who are in their late 30s, early 40s, but it'll be rare. The, um, the analytical part of this, um, I don't know what it was like in 2012, how much data you guys had, but I know you had a ton last fall at Quail Hollow. How much has that changed in terms of – the overall approach to this competition, taking data into consideration. That might be the thing I was blown away most with was the amount, not only the amount of data they had, but the way they could simulate matches. And we would throw them a pairing and they would have win probability in different formats based on the golf course, Quahalo, and based on the way they've played other golf courses, similar links. I mean, 
it was it would make your head spin but it was really cool i mean you'd have a pairing that looked like on paper uh with the basic facts that oh they'd be a good team and they'd throw it in their system and they no nah, win percentage is 11 percent, and you don't fully rely on it but you also they How could make, you not be influenced they by make, that they make some good points on why their win probability win probability is 11 percent, whereas this other pairing is 79 percent um so they've been a vital part i know of the u.s team for a long time uh and it was fascinating to listen to them and their theories and um i'm sure they're gonna continue to play a big part in in europe yeah i mean you know zach calls it the nerd herd um it's a big part of this thing now Right, and so the way the President's Cup does their pairings is so different than the Ryder Cup yes. just sewing them out there and matching them up. When you are, when a, when a European or when an international team pairing for a President's Cup comes out and then the captains start conferring, are they looking at notes about, okay, we've got these two guys, who matches up best against them? Is that Absolutely. part of where the analytics come in? Because yep. that, that to me is incredible. And it's great TV watching those pairings Agreed. come out and being able to, to match them against each other. And, <laughs> Not that the Ryder, I mean, the Ryder Cup history is incredible, but, it, you know, occasionally... But it's always gets, evolved. You it, can look, I, I, I know what you're driving at, right. and I'm with you on it. The, the Ryder Cup has always evolved from, from how many matches to how many points to obviously the inclusion of continental Europe starting in 1979. I, I was saying this yesterday, like, the Ryder Cup always has to be getting better. The Masters is always getting better. You, th those things you have to look at, and this is, this is an international television enterprise and guess what it's in the middle of football season and if if that wrinkle makes it more interesting more compelling it should be instituted yeah, do you think it makes it more interesting oh 100 percent. i remember sitting in the team room with the president's cup with with cabrera give me phil give me phil give me phil <laughs> every single match um and it was i don't know they obviously had a little bit of past history there but i think it's great that's great for tv and ultimately this is that's what it's for it's a tv it's an exhibition it's a tv show and i can tell you as somebody who has been to it covering it and been inside the ropes and the misery of being on the other side of it first of all in 1991 at kiwa you can't walk around there uh because it's just dunes and then I went in 2008 to Valhalla, and I made the mistake of going with Jay Billis, who can see over everything. He laughed the whole weekend because he would just he would look down at me like he does literally and figuratively looking down at me, and he's like, "You having fun?" I couldn't see anything. It's a TV show, yeah. Yeah. and I, I, you know, obviously that's not going to be the case this year. I'd like to believe, and Beth Page would be bananas if they instituted where you're matching a match with a match. It, th that that half hour or don't even take a half an hour that how long would was that stuff taking yeah quail hollow 20 minutes 20 minutes yeah i remember sitting how on good the would that 20 minutes be we were sitting on the patio for a couple of the things watching it and, and being like okay we need to go here to see this it was incredible to have to have it i, I think it's a must for the Ryder cup going it, forward it was also fun i'm it was my first year i'm i'm kind of in the background watching how these guys have been doing it forever but you know that the internationals would throw out a pairing and we knew who we were putting out next but you know freddie would turn around and you know he'd say like hey act like we're we're working here and talking you know just to <laughs> act like there wasn't a specific strategy um but i think that would be amazing at the Ryder cup because you know you put your list out and it is what it is and you see who's matching up against each other and there is a little strategy i think in sunday singles 
I think the most popular strategy is you put your your guys out first who are playing the best, and you save a couple veterans or guys who can handle the the pressure, the whole weight of the Ryder Cup towards the end. Um, and in the middle, you might put the guys who aren't playing as well. But it would be cool to go man for man like they do in the Presidents Cup. Yeah, I you know I just remember, especially the last one. Everybody wanted Justin Thomas and Tom Kim. Everybody wanted it. And I I have to give Trevor Oman a ton of credit. First of all, I didn't give in to it. And he played he played Siwoo Kim because he had it he knew something. Mm-hmm. And Siwoo Kim, you talk about responding. I'm like, hey man, and I was doing radio with Colt Nose and we were sitting there just destroying Trevor. <laughs> like, how can you not give us what we want? This thing is effectively over. We want that. And he didn't give in to it. I, I just Again, we're, we're talking about something that's not going to be the case. I, I hope it is the case uh, going forward. When you look at Europe and you look at Rory and you look at how he is the way that he is, is he without question the touchstone of that team? Well, I mean, he's got to be. He's played 28 total matches. Yeah. I mean, Rom's only played eight. So, I mean, I, he's got... He's got more experience than Justin Rose at this point in total numbers of matches played. So yeah, I think he is the he is the he's the guy. He's he's the leader of this team. He has questions. Just, just, you know, just everything he's done for the last couple of years, how vocal he's been putting the tour on his back. I think he's been vocal about the Ryder Cup, how much it means to him. Now we saw him in tears the last Ryder Cup. I mean, mm-hmm. just absolutely bawling his eyes out. Yeah, he is. Rory is. And interesting, like his first Ryder Cup, he didn't know what to think about. Yeah. It. I no, think he, he was, yeah. and he was he was paired with Graham McDowell, yep. and like, and he, I mean, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I want to play a Ryder Cup so bad, which will never happen, <laughs> but maybe I'll cover one like you, Gary. Uh, and you will, you know. And now, now seeing the evolution of how much it means, and and I'm looking at, I'm looking at this European team. Like I know he'd pair great with Lowry. I just think they've got. I think they're going to have way more pairings. But who who do you put with Rory? Like who is your Rory stud? Five, okay, you just set pairing. me up. Um, yeah, exactly. The, uh, first of all, the, one of the things I appreciate about about him, and he's not Tiger. Nobody is. And the, 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 the Tiger pairing was one of the great conundrums thrust upon all captains starting in 1997. It seemed easy with O'Meara. That was big brother. And that didn't particularly work. And nothing really ever did work. Um, Rory's different. He's not Tiger. He's more accepting of people. Um, I th- Tiger's come around big time on Team Golf, and now he's totally into it. I I would play the Rory Rom card. I would I would I would personally, again, and I'm not just doing it because it's a TV show, but I would send them out first on Friday morning and just say, "You haven't won here in 30 years, and I'll be damned if you're coming over here thinking you're going to win here now." Rory, Rom, and to know that Thursday night and who's ever got him. Now, again, it's a big scalp if the United States takes mm. down those two. I also think it's an enormous message, and it says to me that, Luke Donald, this is your team. Like, really? You're going to play that card? I'd love it if he did it. I'd love to watch it, too. That seems a little Tiger Phil to me there. Um, I think Rory – I'm not going to be surprised if Rory goes out with Victor. They played together in the final round of the BMW. I've seen him play practice rounds together this year. I don't know if that's a pairing in the making. Um, But, again, kind of like your pairing, that's two of their stars together. And do you you not split those up and let Rory go with a rookie? Sure. um, To kind of help the rookie feel a little more comfortable. But um, either pairing, 
would be, you know, grab your popcorn. I'm watching that one. Yeah, you know, uh, the other thing that I appreciate about him, and this is why I thought, and again, the, the Tiger Phil thing, like, y there is no Tiger Phil thing in Europe mm. to say, well, we had something similar. No, you didn't. There's nothing like it. We haven't seen anything like it really since Jack and Arnie. And by the way, they always got along and they played together and they won together. In, in f 2018 in Paris, you know who he was paired with on Friday morning? You're going, who's Rory going to play with? Play with Torbjorn Olesen. <laughs> and you know what it said to me? Like, it doesn't matter, man. Put mm -hmm. me with anybody. Mm -hmm. I, I am a team guy. I'll play with anybody. And they play with the guy who, you know, you could argue was the most innocuous, least known guy, especially in the United States, that you could put him with. I appreciated that. I think the Hovland one makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I think that Rory is uh, versatile. Like, I think personality-wise, he will go out with anybody. Oh, without a doubt. He's very affable. He's easy to be around. Tiger, was it was different. It's different. You say. There's nobody like Tiger. I, I see Rory playing with a rookie. I think it would make a great statement going out with Ram or Hovland. I think that's putting a lot of. How about Ludwig? What if he went out with Aberg? Wouldn't be surprised at now all. Now that would be stout. Wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised. Are you at kidding all. me? I know, but I kind of like the idea of going out with Rom or so Hovland. Why? And so, I mean, if if you're gonna hide guys, so to speak, you could put McElroy, Rom, even a Hovland. I think a Hovland Aberg team would be great. Mm -hmm. You got too many. You got so many good English mashups with Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Rose. I, I think. I think they're they're top eight players on paper. I think they mix and match teams pretty well together. And I I, I mean I, I think I have to give the top eight to them to the European side. Let me let me ask you about the foursome format. It was it was it's been a problem mm -hmm. for the United States um, based on the analytical information that you were certainly a part of last fall. And that wasn't the case. You know the United States played very well in foursomes. The president. What, what is it? What's your theory as to why that's been? I don't have a theory. I mean, it's a it's a format where you feel more pressure than you do in four balls. Uh, certainly because every shot directly affects your partner and it could go back to the brotherhood of Europe being so strong yeah. that there's a, they're comfortable with each other. Um, they're not as apologetic when they hit a bad shot. They know they're going to try to be in it for 18 holes. Um, I don't really have a good theory. It's a, it's my favorite format. Um, you know, four balls, you feel like you have to make birdies to win holes, whereas foursomes, you win a lot of holes with pars, and it makes those four to eight footers for par that much bigger. Um, but when you do win a foursomes match with your partner, it feels like you've both conquered something even more than when you win in four balls. Yeah, I, um, again, if you look at 14, uh, Europe won 7-1 in the two foursome sessions. In 18, again, these are the two, the last two road Ryder Cups, Brendan, they won 6-2. Um, I, I just, I, I look at it and I think part of it was not easy natural pairings. I think the United States has found obviously with at least two if not three and maybe home and, and morikawa i like that as you said earlier um is is another natural one maybe burns and, and scheffler they, they it's not like they didn't make a bunch of birdies uh last fall in charlotte um what is your thought about foursome? What, what, I mean, is there anything in particular yes. that makes two guys good together no i, I got a theory on what it was okay it was, it's putting the Americans typically did not putt well in these Ryder Cups. If no. you're not putting well playing alternate shot, it adds so much pressure on 
you on your partner you feel like you keep on letting him down i mean mm. obviously if you're driving the ball badly it's another thing but if you miss a four-footer you feel like you've let the entire team down mm -hmm. and i think that was a thing that americans didn't putt well for a long time and does that have to do with the the i mean is it a real thing the slowness of the greens the way they keep them the way they set up a golf course in europe are the greens running at 10 like people yep. say yeah just like the open championship they're fairly slow you know the european team is very comfortable you know we're not we're not as comfortable um i think it makes a difference and uh, back to kind of the stats the the stat guys the nerd herd um <laughs> they in 2018 bubba and i went out and played our practice rounds and we both were way more comfortable with him going odd and me going even well, we lose to Poulter and McElroy, I think two and three and two, the first match. And Furyk came over and talked to us and said, why are y'all uh, choosing these holes? And we didn't have a great reason. Um, Furyk said, our stat guys said, the edge is the other way around for you guys. Do this tomorrow. We went out and I didn't like the odd holes. He didn't like the even holes, but we did it and we won our match. Yeah, three and, so and two. It, it really opened my eyes to just because you're comfortable with a particular partner or a particular order doesn't mean it's the best, and, and these stats are important, uh, especially in foursomes. How about, how about your awareness level? We talk week in and week out about guys not looking and looking uh, at leaderboards. You've played on the road. You've played at home. 2012 was bizarre. Europe won the first five singles matches. You you could hear the silence. Mm -hmm. It was deafening. Um, how what was it like to try to be aware, but remain focused on your next shot of what was going on around you? Um, it's difficult. You know, I went off early that morning. I think I was fourth off or so. So I was kind of in the middle of the silence. Um, but again, we're 10-6. I had. I had no doubt that the U.S. Are, are, were going to get it done. You know, it was it was never a thought. But I finish up. I lost to Poulter, um, and it didn't look great. But it still looked like, man, we're we're still in the position to win this. And it just it's, it got worse and worse. But yeah, you're out there in the middle of it. You're kind of focused on what you're doing, but you're also aware. So it's a little bit of both. Um, but that Chicago crowd was so loud Friday, Saturday, and. We let them down Sunday. Um, so when you're on the road in 14 and 18, um, I mean, you have the, the match in 14 with Poulter. You beat Justin Rose in 2018. Like, do, do were you look, did you look at the few boards that were out there, or could you sense kind of things are going well or things are going poorly? No, you're watching. Um, and if you can't find a leaderboard, uh, there are not as many leaderboards, you know, as a particular – uh, PJ Tour event, um, you're you have an assistant walking with you, so you're asking him if you're waiting. Hey, how are we doing? You were asking, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, and they'll give you these these sound bites of you know not great, but we'll hang in there, and and so you kind of get a feel for how things are going. Um, but 2018 was exciting because I, I I played well, but then as soon as I got done and the adrenaline left, I realized we're probably not going to win the Ryder Cup. So your excitement of winning your match completely. You feel deflated, and you know, because it is—it's all about the team. It really is. The um, the recipe for the United States this year—it used to be just just stay even. We have more depth. We'll win the win the single sessions. That that's not the case anymore. You can't rely on going eight four on on Sunday anymore. Is there any particular way you think the United States has to be positioned in order to win for the first time on the road in thirty years? Yeah, I think they need to be ahead going into the singles. They do. I think they do okay. um, because of that road atmosphere. Um, I think they'll 
kind of dull the crowd a little bit. And then I think they need to get ahead in those singles matches. I feel like it's going to be very, very hard to play from behind. If you are, if you're Zach Johnson, let's say you got a point lead, or let's say it's 8-8 going to the last day, how would you, I mean, obviously it's a lot of it's going to be predicated on how they're playing in terms of where you would stack your lineup. Um, I'd front load the heck out of you that. You would. Thing. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go down the world ranking. Scheffler's out first and I'd just boom <laughs> straight down the list. Wow. Get it over with. And then I, yeah, I agree with that. And I'd leave like a Justin Thomas. Really? Harmon for the end guys who of I all fully, people. well, I think you, you gotta take into account what the weight of a Ryder Cup, like you said, every two yeah. years, what it could feel like if it came down to the final two matches, the world of golf is watching. Yep. All the teams are watching. I think there's a handful of guys on each team who can really thrive in that environment, and I think JT's one of them. That would be fascinating uh, completely. <laughs> How aware were you of, of the inability of all these teams to not win on the road when you went in 14, when you went in 18? Now we've gotten to this round number of 30. How aware were you? Was there a lot of questions asked in 14 about why haven't you or will you this time? Um, I don't remember asking much, uh, but you you do feel it and you are aware of it. Okay. Um, and, you know, guys like Phil on the team at the time, who's very vocal, a great leader in those team environments, would remind us of that. And he would give us, you know, the classic Phil pump-up speech, which – you know, he, he really cared about these teams. I think he said before that those were his favorite, favorite memories in golf, over playing major championships and winning major championships. Um, and that, you know, as a Phil fan of, you know, just growing up watching him, um, it is sad to me because I think he was going to be a guy, he was an easy pick for a captain. Oh, he was uh, Beth Beth Page. Page. It was his. Yeah, it was his. And so it is sad to, to not see him uh, on the U.S. team. It's sad to not see the Poulter and Sergio's sure. on the captain side. Um, but, you know, I think if, if in 30 years of Ryder Cups, I think if there was a time for the U.S. to do it, it's a great, it's a great team to, to get it done. And, you know, I'm, I don't think it's a heavy favorite on U.S. versus Europe. I think it's a very even I agree. Uh, matchup. Um, but they're definitely going to have that pressure of, you know, trying to get the job done that hadn't been done in 30 years. But also the European team is going to have the pressure of keeping that stat going another few years. Yeah, it's. Um, I I thought the United States going into this year, and again, it's stupid to even say it, but because it, the the form of players is fickle, I thought they were going to be a bona fide favorite. To me, they're not. Do you think they are or they're not? I think they're definitely a favorite. They you gener- do. They generally are. But Webb touched on it. What do you think it's going to do to Team Europe not having guys like mm-hmm. Westwood, Garcia, Stinson? Poulter, I mean, the, uh, McDowell, Casey, McDowell. Uh, the, the list yeah. goes on and on. Is that is that a real thing? Not having that leadership and not having the structure of it going forward, or is this just a new era in European team golf? I could see it going either way. I think that's where a guy we haven't talked about much is Justin Rose, who, you know, he had a great win at Pebble, but he's going to have to really step up as a leader. Talk about his experience. Um, maybe he's a guy you send out with one of the rookies. Um, but I do think it'll uh, be a little dent in there in, in the European team not having guys who have been around here for 30 years and, and having their experience. Um, but then again, you know, you look at our team, we don't have that. Brian Harmon's the oldest. So is that going to be a factor? It could be. And maybe that's where 
Zach really was strategic in picking his assistants, guys who have been around the game for forever. Maybe it's their role now instead of a player's role to come in and really talk to these guys and help them understand what it's going to feel like. Um, I remember going into the first Ryder Cup, we had a dinner, and Davis kind of opened it up for questions, and Brant Snedeker popped his hand up so fast, and he says, uh, I've heard these stories. What is it going to feel like? Like, let us in on, on really what it feels like and how nervous we're going to be. And um, I thought it was a great question for a rookie to ask. Like, really let us know so we can be most prepared. Don't say, oh, you're going to be fine. You're a good player. You can handle it. No, what's it going to feel like on the first tee? And that way, at least, you have expectation going in of what it, what it could feel like. And then you go experience it and see what it's like. I, I think that, you know, I think Spieth is a leader. He's 30. But he's, he's, you know, he was on a team in 2013. That was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's had a lot of experience. Obviously, Justin Thomas, it doesn't matter whether he was the last pick or not. He is a driving force of kind of the, the, the heartbeat uh, of the team. And, and he's going to lean on him. I, it's interesting about Justin Rose. Like, in 14, he was the man of the match. Mm-hmm. He was the best player that week. And in 2012, when I knew the United States was losing is when he made that bomb on 17 against yes, Phil. Phil. I'm like, oh, my God, this is happening. Then he birdied 18. Like, yeah, and then he birdied 18, and he had one of the most, like, he wanted to be exuberant, and then he turned and he saw Phil, and he went, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a gentleman. Yeah. He, is, he is a gentleman. So with all that being said, what will happen? I think Europe's going to do it at home. They I are. really do. But in saying that, they need their big three to play really well in order to to win this thing. Um, okay. I think they need at least three to four points out of all McElroy, Rom, and Hovland. You know, Rom hadn't had a great stretch here. You know, we we've we've looked at the ascendancy of of Hovland, the consistency of Rory. Um, John Rom has not had a good patch here. He's been hitting it left. I mean, the whole playoff run, uh, it, it's shocking. What did he fall to? 16th, 18th in the FedEx Cup? I mean, and he led the entire season. For him to fall where he did was was catastrophic. And I, I think it started with him off the tee. So that is a big concern. Like Scheffler, though, you, you know Rom's going to get up for it, and he'll hopefully get it figured out and play some good golf. But, yeah, he, he is. It's, it's troubling how far left he's been hitting it. So he thinks Europe is going to hold serve. What do you think? 15-13, USA. Okay. Jordan Smith makes the winning. <laughs> of course he does. Of course he does. And he did he he wins a couple points on Sunday somehow. But I do I do before I, I would like to know cuz uh, Webb just gave a great lead in to uh Brant Snedeker's question about what it's it feel like on the first tee. I'd like a descriptive from two guys that have played these events. I would like to know and I would describe it to me. How does it feel like on the first tee? I was lucky enough to play with Ernie and we were playing Spieth and Stricker and it was a a four ball match and Ernie hit and he looked at me and he said yusses I haven't cucked myself like that for a long time which is Afrikaans for I haven't shit myself like that for a long time <laughs> and those words coming from Ernie honestly put me at ease I'm thinking to myself alright there's a four or five time major champion whatever he'd won and he is this nervous I'm feeling the way I should so that, that put me at ease how about you well, so um, 2011 in Australia uh, I was supposed to go odds. We had planned it all week, Bubba and I, and we're walking to the first tee. And I said, Bubba, because he had played a Ryder Cup at Wales the year before. Uh, I said, hey, you're you're going odds. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm not hitting that first tee shot. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, yep, I'm not hitting it. 
either we're both not hitting or you're going to hit for us. And so he hit. So I was, I was that nervous. And I was playing really good golf coming in. But it's like you just get taken over by the moment. And I was a little shaky those first six holes. But then I kind of got – got into it and we ended up we, we had a good week that week together as partners you know it's interesting if you look at all your matches you played with Bubba you guys with the exception I think of one at least in the Ryder Cup you always went first was that more because of him and his his anxiousness and his the way that he is he's very jumpy why were you guys always the lead dog in those sessions I, I think we both wanted to go you as did. early as possible okay yeah we both don't like waiting around and you know these captains they tell us we want your feedback like what do you want to do who do you not want to play with who do you want to play with so we 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 took advantage of that we said hey you know if it if you see fit send us out as early as possible um and yeah i love getting out there and and get going a little bit yeah um i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you about your first tee shot in 14 at glen eagles (laughs) was that as high in the air is is it so here's the backstory. First tee shot of the Ryder Cup was on me. It's a three-wood hole. It's uh, Bubba and I versus Henrik Stinson and Justin Rose. It's 35 degrees. Yeah. It's so cold. What people don't know is I'd already popped up a couple three-woods that year, right down the middle, about 175 yards. So I pop it up. It goes right down the middle. And Justin Rose had three-wood out. And he goes back to the bag immediately and grabs driver. And later tells me that after he saw me do that, he's going to get the biggest thing in his bag possible, which is driver. The most embarrassing part, honestly, probably was that all the cameras, you know, there's tons of of cameras. They had to come back about 75 yards. So I'm waiting for them to get out of my way so I can hit my second shot. Did you put a dummy mark on that three-wood? Yeah, there's a little scratch. I got a new three-wood the next week. Uh, What do you think? Who wins? Americans win. They do. I think it's going to be close, but I think they're going to win. I think it's time. Um, I think I, I really like our rookies. I like the way they've handled pressure this year, uh, from Brian Harmon to Wyndham Clark. I, I think I think they're going to get it done. I, I'm 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 with you and and Johnson. I would not be a bit surprised if Europe won, but I, I do think that this this group um, had. I think that they. Not that all the guys that came before them didn't care about their Ryder Cup records. Like, they have a chance here to put something together that can stand up over the course of time. Um, I, I felt it uh, at Whistling Straits. Again, that was a home game, whatever. I think this group of Thomas and, and Spieth and, and Shoffley and, and Cantlay and, and, and even Scotty Scheffler played brilliantly at Whistling Straits. I think this is a generation that this group, I think, was built to end this streak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 15-13 like you. I think this is going to be a, a gut-wrenching three days of getting up at 1.30 in the morning to see opening tee shots. Will you be doing that, by the way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I'll be going to bed and getting up. I may just <laughs> pull an all-nighter. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. How much of this will you consume? As much as I can. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'll be up till 1.30. Uh, it's getting up at 1.30. Right. I mean, the first balls in the air will yeah. be 7, 8, or, oh, my gosh, it's a six-hour time difference. Yeah, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'll soak it all in. You know, I love watching Saturday. I love, you know, especially Saturday afternoon, seeing how it's going to shape up for Sunday. Yep. And then Sunday will be, uh, you know, hopefully I won't miss too much golf in the morning. But um, I, I love watching it. I think between the Masters and the Ryder Cup, it doesn't really get much better for TV. Well, 
first of all, thank you, boys. Thank you. And, and for everybody out there, um, you've seen him doing the work. Um, you're ready to play golf again full time, are you not? I am. I'm, I'm healthy. My neck feels good. Um, I'm trying to, you know, keep getting better. I, I'm playing less tournaments, but um, able to practice a little more at home. And the game's feeling better. Um, and so I'm playing three times this fall. I'm looking forward to, you know, getting back to a bit of consistency like I used to be able to have throughout the years. So um, I, I'm excited. I, I love playing right now. Yeah. Well, thank you to Webb Johnson, Brendan. Most importantly, thank you to all of y'all out there for listening and watching this Five Clubs Ryder Cup preview. Enjoy it.